Hello, and welcome to the Belmont Story Project. My name is Nancy McMenemy McComb, and I'm a librarian here at Belmont Public Library. Today is Wednesday, June 6th, and I'm conducting this interview in the Claflin Room at the Belmont Public Library. I'm speaking with Josephine Fang, who is a professor emerita of library science at Simmons College, a mother of 10, grandmother of 18, and a longtime Belmont resident. So welcome to you, Josephine. Thanks for coming in. Thank you very much, Nancy. So I wanted to start with your early years. Uh, you were born in 1922 yes. in Southfelden, Austria. Am in Salzburg, right? yeah. Uh, yeah. Near Robins. Salzburg? Yeah. Okay. So I'm wondering, for a lot of listeners, um, 1922 and Austria are, are pretty different time and place. Yeah. I'm wondering what memories you have of your childhood growing up there. Do you remember games played or you know, friendships? We, I had a very protected, uh, protected, uh, happy childhood. I was not aware of uh, what's going on, rather. And the highlight was always the summers we spent in Saalfeld, mm -hmm. in Salzburg. My father was a judge, and so we moved quite a bit along. But the summers were always two months in the mountains. And we met there. Other children, it was, it was a very happy time. Was Southfelden more of a country, more of a town? A small town. In market, at that time, they called it the marketplace. Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's less than the city and the mm -hmm. town. But it was within the Alps. And on the other side of the mountains was Germany. It's a small country. Yeah. I, I looked it up on Google, so yeah. it looked very pretty, with the, especially yeah. the mountains are very yeah. striking. Yeah, it was very happy memories. And, um, um, oh, oh, go ahead. Well, until Hitler came. Of course, yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. in 38. Right. Do you, since you bring that up, do you remember that time? Or oh, you, yes, yeah. I was 16. Yeah. My father was kicked off, he lost his job. He was a chief justice, and he wasn't even allowed to uh, to to practice law because uh, he wasn't a Nazi. There were many people who were Nazis at that time. Okay. Yeah, I was wondering why they targeted him because your your family were are Catholic. Is that? Well, we were Catholics. Yeah. yeah. Austria is ninety five percent Catholic, not practicing Catholic, but yes. Right, but the Nazis targeted yeah. your father because he was not a member of the party? Well, he was not illegal. He didn't, uh, he always felt that judge has to be impartial and uh, not politically active or anything. But uh, the Nazis had their own laws. So you had to be very careful. Mm. That sounds like it was a big hardship on your family then. Was yeah, he the, it was the financially a yeah. hardship. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, you, I was thinking that you were really born into a quite a tumultuous time yeah, and place. Yeah. Although Hitler was only seven years in power, but the seven years seemed an eternity. Yes. But at least he was not sent to a concentration camp. It was Your father, yes. So you uh, graduated your high school in 1940, I think? 40, yes. 1940. 
And then did you start immediately to go get your PhD? To, yeah, to I started. Well, we had a different uh, a system at that time. You, you could only get a PhD, but nothing. You didn't have a bachelor or master at that time. You had to finish with a degree. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and I tried to uh, finish, but uh, <coughs> I, I wrote a dissertation. My dissertation dealt with Sigler Lewis. And he was only, a, it was only a proof because he was a social critic. Of the United of America, States. Mm -hmm. yeah. But it was wonderful. I learned a lot of the jargon and the speaking the English, English, American yes. English. Yes. Was that how you learned or were you, were you studying English even in high school? Well, I did high school. <coughs> in high school, we, we learned the King's English, the yes. British. Yes. Okay. <laughs> we had a very progressive teacher who brought us a gramophone and played English, uh, British uh, English, but we learned very well. Very proper English. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was 14 when I started to learn English. Was it unusual in any way for a woman, or for a girl, I guess, um, to be going on for an advanced degree at that time and place? Oh, no. No? Not at no. all? Education was expected of middle-class uh, people. If you actually, the way the system worked with 10 years old, that your parents decided whether you would go to university or became a blue-collar mm -hmm. person. If you became a blue-collar worker in a service or craftsman or something, you would go to a different type of school. But we went then to a lycée or gymnasium, we called it gymnasium, and that was from uh, eight years. And so your parents decided already. And women were, I didn't even know at that time about voting or anything. Mm -hmm. It was just uh, education of women. There were also women doctors, and not too many, but Women, education equalized us to men. Yes. Well, that's terrific, and thank you, because that, yeah. that is a different system, as you know, from, yeah. from the yeah. United States. I know one of the proud achievements of your life is earning your PhD. Do you, yeah. do you remember what that felt like for you? Oh, it was very great. It was great relief and satisfaction. And, and I was very lucky because the the Nazis had uh, uh, requisitioned the library of the America House. In the United States had this, uh, what they called America House, libraries and cultural centers, a, a building in cities in Vienna. And the America House was one of them, and the Nazis confiscated the whole uh, contents in the library, and so there were all the books by Sigler Lewis, for instance. So you were saying that were some of the books that you needed in that library confiscated by the Nazis, yes. so that interrupted your studies? Did it? Did, was it a major impact on you, or were you mostly finished? Or 
although I wasn't finished yet, I used to, uh, at that time, actually, I was an assistant to the, in the institute library. In the university, we had each subject had, a, had their own library, and there were books that were anti-Nazi, some of the literary books, and they were locked up. Mm-hmm. But I knew where the key was, uh-huh. so secretly I went there and read all of the... <laughs> all of the forbidden literature yeah, that yeah, you needed? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so you earned that PhD in 1948? and it was a... I had to go to Graz, that was after the war. Mm-hmm. And in order to be to be a professor at the university, you had to become a party member. So after the war, the so-called denazification, and all the professors were dismissed until they studied them. So, so there was no English professor at the University of Vienna, and I didn't want to go to a German professor who didn't know anything. Mm-hmm. I was talking. So I, I found him in Graz was an English professor, and also. And he accepted me, and I moved to Graz to to get my orals and submit the, the submit the dissertation. I guess you were you were there for a couple of years and and looking. Were you, did you immediately know you wanted to emigrate to the United States? I know you. I, I didn't say emigrate. I wanted to see them and study there. I, I was very anxious to study, mm-hmm. and uh, actually after the war, I was working for the American military government in Salzburg where I brushed up on my English. I, I, I knew and I typed very fast, so I had a good job with the commander there, with the military commander. In, and I learned a lot about it. So I, my dream was to study in America. Yeah. Yeah, so you had that job translating? For the military, was that? And also, like a secretary, okay. I took, I took shorthands, I transferred the German shorthand into <laughs> English, and uh, typed up letters. So when you decided to the, come to the United States and applied to come to the United States, you were only looking to stay a short time to study. Yeah, is that the case? DC. Okay, and so you you emigrated to Washington D.C. It looks like in 1950. Well, Washington D.C. gave me a scholarship, okay. and the Institute of International Education sponsored the whole. Uh, they mm-hmm. sponsored, actually, we were 40 students from Austria alone on that ship. And so you were studying. You had a fellowship at Catholic University. Yeah, is that so. it? That could choose it was one for for a year. Mm-hmm. That was the plan. Yeah. Yes. But then um, I think you had a you had a job working at Catholic University as well while you were a fellow. Yeah, I well very little, but still, yeah. I was allowed to earn sixty dollars a month, which mm-hmm. was a nice uh, in nineteen fifty. Yeah. Was a good payment. Some good living money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but then, when you were at that that job, um, you met a, yeah, a nice young I man. Yeah, I met for yeah my husband. Yes, yeah, my so, future husband. Right, you didn't know it right away, but um, and yeah. so he was a nice young man from also a student from China. Yeah, um, he was a physics uh, student. 
I understand um, at the time that you met Paul, you were you were engaged at that time to a young yeah, man. Yeah, I was to an American. To an American. Yes. Very nice, uh, but he was still in the State Department. Okay, so you had met that man in, in Austria? Yeah, I had met him in Austria. But I wanted to see America on my own mm -hmm. come here first. And um, uh, can I ask, how did Paul woo you away from your, your betrothed? Well, what was it about Paul? He, well, he was very smart. He's, that impressed me. And he knew a lot about uh, literature. In, apparently in China, he had a very good education too. Mm -hmm. yeah. And he was very persistent. <laughs> Somehow. Yes, he knew you were the lady for yeah, him. He was per per persevered. And, mm -hmm. yeah. It was not easy for me. It was rather difficult. Right, I yeah. imagine so, to, to, end, yeah. to end the first engagement. Yeah. Um, but you did, and then you and Paul were married for how many how many years? We were married uh, sixty about six sixty years. Wow, yeah. that was a long time. Yeah. Moving back in time to the nineteen fifties, I think you and yeah. Paul were married in fifty one. Yeah. And pretty soon after, started a family. Fifty two. Was our oldest born. Okay. Born, yeah. born in nineteen fifty two. Yes. What was it like in D.C. at the time, you know, being a, a working woman and a mom, right? Did you did you go back to work right away after you were no, done? No, no. It was about seven years taking care of oh, Okay. I just did some on the side, typing and translating okay. or something. But I, I didn't work. We, I only started to work after uh, Paul was sent to France for a year mm -hmm. to go over. Uh, as a fellow at the Institute for Yale. And when we came back, we took a German girl with us who wanted to an au pair, Valdi. She was our first au pair. And so I was able to go back to... Uh, you needed a full-time person at home with so many children. So how many children did you have roundabouts when you went back after the seven years? Eight. Eight children. Yeah. Um, so that was a full household. Yeah, yeah. I, I grew up only with a brother, so it was a learning experience mm -hmm. for us. I'm actually yeah. curious about that. What was it? What was it like having such a big family? I know ultimately there are ten children to born to. Yeah. Well, you have to concentrate a bit on the oldest ones because they are the the example for the younger ones. Mm -hmm. And I was very lucky, my oldest was a girl, mm -hmm. and she was a good manager and uh, could hold them. And I had the, the girls in the top. I had a, a girl, then a boy, and then two girls. So my four, uh, the baby was also a girl, but the three girls in the top were very helpful. Mm -hmm. They were able, did they help yeah. you manage the young ones yeah. then when yes. they reached a certain age? Whoever was the oldest in their house was in charge. <laughs> yeah, we had quite a good system. And since the children didn't have any extended family, no uncles or anybody in America, they were close to each other, which was very nice for me too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They had each other. 
Can I ask, when you brought the au pair home with you from Grenoble, um, was that, did you have in mind that you wanted to go back to a career oh, yes, position outside the was, home? Yeah, yeah I, I, that was our agreement that uh, she would let uh, enable me to do work. And my husband was very supportive too about it. Mm -hmm. So he wasn't so good with his children, babies, but he cooked mm -hmm. out of desperation. Mm -hmm. Yes. <laughs> but uh, Chinese cooking is, is uh, very good for bigger groups. Mm -hmm. Because you just add some more chopped meat or vegetables. That works for large quantities. Yeah, it's easier. Um, I was curious when you when you married Paul, did you know? Did you have an agreement that he would be supportive of you to have a career in yeah. addition? No, okay. no idea. <laughs> in fact, I cried in the church, and I all of a sudden realized what I'm getting into. Mm -hmm. I thought. I, I really didn't know him so well, mm. and, uh, and what kind of life was ahead of me. <laughs> and we were married in in, in St. Dominic in Washington, D.C., mm -hmm. in a Catholic church. <laughs> and the priest said, well, he stopped and he said, now, now, this is happy, and he waited till I recovered. But it worked out very well. He, su he supported you eventually. Yeah, yeah. You, you were able to have both, both careers. Yeah. So, um, going back to your experience as an immigrant and yeah. as an immigrant couple yeah. in the 1950s in Washington, did you experience any troubles? Well, only actually once in the past I was riding and uh, a man, a very low life mm -hmm. man, I thought made a remark about me and uh, uh, Paul being Chinese. And, uh, and when I had the children, very often people asked me, are they adopted oh, when yeah. I was alone? Yeah. Moving. Because it was not so popular, interracial marriages yeah. at that time. Yeah. And um, it looks like that you and Paul moved to Belmont in 1968. Yeah. So, uh, what brought you to Belmont? Well, Paul worked for NASA. It was very interesting, actually, his, his work in, in Washington, D.C. And NASA had in Green Belt, Maryland, its big uh, uh, labs, and they copied the, the, the satellites and everything. It was very interesting. And uh, Paul was more interested always in research. And uh, here on Technology Square in Cambridge was a big research center for, of NASA, which President Kennedy had created. And so he liked to, he had a good job, he could have stayed in work, but he wanted to just do the theoretical research. And so we moved to Boston. We moved to Belmont because of the school system. Mm -hmm. They had good schools, and uh, in Washington, they had some children in private schools, but we knew we couldn't afford to have all mm -hmm. the children in private schools. So we moved here, but very shortly thereafter, was President Nixon at that time dissolved the, uh, the 
Catholic pieces revenge because Massachusetts was democratic in the vote for Nixon. So, but on the other hand, President Nixon went to China and opened up China, and so Paul was able to go for the first time and visit China again. So it was. So he was sort of a mixed bag for your family. So, but he went to Boston College with his research. What do you remember of moving to Belmont? You know, it's it's been about fifty years now, um, yeah. so it may have may have been somewhat different back then. What do you what do you? I remember? enjoyed Belmont. I've never been in a smaller town like this, but Belmont was ideal because you could have public transportation. I couldn't be a chauffeur for mm-hmm. my children all the time. And the au pairs didn't have any uh, driver's license yet. So. And uh, mostly educated people here. And uh, the schools, that was the main thing. Children had good school system. And um, I understand it took you a little bit of a, a while to find a job and settle in. Um, well, I. At Catherine, you see, when in Vienna I was working in the Institute Library of the English Department, so I had a bit of a library experience. And then when I was at Catholic University and got married, I was interested to get a master's degree in library science mm-hmm. because this is a field where you can use any background. I had English literature, you can be a lawyer, a doctor, anything. So it was a very natural thing, and, and I got my master in library science. So that that was very useful. Did you get your master's uh, down in down in DC? In the DC, yeah. But I had already my PhD. So so then Maryland was starting a school of library science, and they needed a doctor a faculty. So. The president, the dean of the Maryland School, asked me. So I started to teach there and also then at Catholic University, just uh, summers. And, uh, but I became an assistant professor there. So that opened, the, which I liked. I liked teaching the students. And also it gives you a little more flexibility. Mm-hmm. You don't have a nine-to-five uh, job. It's not easier, but it is right. more challenge. Yes. So, um, so I think up here you worked first at BC um, for uh, yeah. a little while. The, the Simmons didn't have an opening, but mm-hmm. then uh, the the teacher who was supposed to teach the courses uh, was killed in a car accident, and they were desperate, and so <laughs> I started. Uh, technical services and acquisitions and mm-hmm. cataloging and so And uh, later on I introduced new courses, publishing and international librarianship and preservation. Mm-hmm. And I enjoyed it very much. And Simmons, yeah, it was over 20 years yeah. I taught there. Uh, yeah. So that was a major part of your career? Yeah, that was my and it's a good one of the oldest library schools here, mm-hmm. the second oldest after after New York. Now Siemens is going to be a university. I heard, yes. Yeah. 
moving up in the world. Yes. <laughs> so changing subjects a little bit, I, I understand you're someone who loves to travel. Do you have a favorite place? Well, my, my homeland is my favorite yeah. place, but uh, the world has so many interesting uh, places. Mm -hmm. I was traveling mostly because of professional work. I was working for the International Federation of Library Associations. I had committees, assignments, and so on. So they met all over the world, and that was very interesting. I was in every continent except, except Antarctica. <laughs> <laughs> so bringing the interview to a close, I'm wondering, um, you know, you've, you've lived 96 years, which is an, which is an awfully long life. Yeah. What's your secret to longevity? I know secret. I had no time to think about many things because I had a very challenging and full life. But I treasured, I treasured the family. And it's not the material things, but the, the people who are important. Mm -hmm. and, and I think I'm very grateful for having a good, a nice family. And children are not taking care of me in many ways. And the grandchildren, I have 18 grandchildren, and they're all very, very nice and good to me. And one great grandchild. So, so life goes on, and you are connected. And you have to be grateful for that positive, positive thinking. Well, thank you very much for coming in this morning. It's been a pleasure to meet you and speak with you. And uh, we wish you the best. Thank you. Well, thank you very much. It was very nice to meet you all.